Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does this smell good. Wolfen down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Lou. Hey, boy. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. All right, it is noon on a Monday. It's Wolf and Down Your Lunch. K-Ray in for Wolf today. Aaron Maloney is here with all of today's top stories. Aaron? So the Phoenix Suns now know who they will play in the first round of the playoffs. So 119-114 loss to the L.A. Clippers yesterday meant Phoenix will face the Clippers in the first round starting next weekend. According to Sham Sharania, Clipper star Paul George is expected to be sidelined to begin the first round playoff series against the Suns, but is making some tangible progress from his March 21st knee injury. Here's Jalen Rose. I know they're going to be shorthanded without Paul George. But I also saw Tyron Lue do it as a head coach in Cleveland. A Suns team, of course, the best one-two punch in basketball has to be KD and Book when you go into the playoffs. But they only play eight games together. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out. I'm picking the Suns in that series, but I'm really watching for the depth of the Clippers and can Paul George return And obviously the Phoenix Suns, if you can get them early before they steam momentum, because ultimately the Phoenix Suns are my choice to represent the Western Conference. Your reaction to that? I told K-Ray at the start of the show, I'm I'm way too overconfident (laughs) in the Suns, just specifically in this first round series, because if you're telling me Paul George isn't even going to play in the first game or two, maybe, and even if he does, it's his first game's back and he's not fully healthy, I think even at full strength, you take the Suns in this series. Kawhi's the X Factor, and, and he's had a lot of success as the X Factor before, so that's where I'm worried I'm getting a little too overconfident, K, but... I, I don't I don't love the Clippers' chances. Whether the Suns played their games here or in Manitoba, I'm, I'm, I feel good about the Suns. Yeah, uh, I am I am not overconfident, but I am I am quite confident in the Suns being able to advance in this first round. But I will just remind Suns fans: nothing, nothing, and I'll say it again: nothing is going to be easy during this playoff run, unbeaten with KD or not. Buckle up. That's it. So our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com, and it asks, how will the Suns-Clippers series go? Your choices, Suns in four or five, Suns in six or seven, Clippers in four or five, or Clippers in six or seven. All right, so stop me from saying Suns in four (laughs) or five. I don't think it'll be a sweep, but I could absolutely see them winning in five. I'll say six just to be reasonable. But I think the Suns win in five or six, so yeah. I'll say six. You couldn't say Suns in four anyway because I think that guy's got a copyright on it. He's out in the parking lot right now. <laughs> He's waving um, four fingers around. There's right. so many millions Regardless of dollars you owe me. They're facing. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Suns in... In five or six. Okay, so that's not an option either. So yeah. <laughs> we'll go. You know what? Out of respect to Ty Lue, because he is a good coach, I'll He's say a very Suns good coach. in six. Yep. So 52% say Suns in four or five, 41% say Suns in six or seven, 5% Clippers in six or seven, and 2% Clippers in four or five. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter this morning, at least six teams have inquired with the Arizona Cardinals about trading up for the third overall pick in the upcoming NFL draft. 
The Cardinals are still mulling whether to pick, to, whether to move the pick or make it. What do you guys think the Cardinals should do and what do you think they will do? I think they want to trade it. I mean, the best case would obviously be to trade down one spot and still get Will Anderson and get some draft capital from the Colts. I don't know if that, you know how realistic that is. I know the guy that usually sits where you're sitting, K. Ray Wolf, is convinced that's what's going to happen. And if it does, that's the best case scenario. Um, I'm still trying to figure out who the six teams are. And now I've got a list of like 14 suspects <laughs> over here. I, I, I still tend to believe Monty Austin Fort wants to trade if there's a good offer out there. Yeah, I think Monty Austin Force should take the magic eight ball yeah. and do a best three out of five, which is <laughs> I think that's how they were running did last year, actually. Flip a coin? Yeah, flip a coin. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see kind of what comes out in the next couple weeks with the Arizona Cardinals in that third overall pick. The D-backs racked up 16 hits and an 11-6 win over the Dodgers on Sunday. Here's Tori Lovello. That's what I was focused on, just going out and showing the rest, the rest of the, the, the league, the two teams we're going to play inside of our league, that um, you know, we're ready to play some baseball. Um, and uh, is it amplified because of the Dodgers? Of course. Um, they're a really good team, and they've been doing it at a very high level for the past 10 years. So I think anytime, anytime you have a good series of play complete baseball games and some things we need to work on, um, but you went three or four from them, um, it's, it's definitely a good feeling. So the D-backs took three of four against the Dodgers. Luke, you and Wolf last week after you know that opening series were like, hey, they split the series with the Dodgers. We'll take that. Yeah. Well, now they just took three of four. What's your excitement level now with the D-backs? I, I think it's it's getting here faster than any of us knew for sure, right? And, and yeah, they're six and four. So again, big picture, you're six and four, big deal. They're going to raise like nine and zero oh or something. Uh, but the fact that you made it through that ten game stretch, where all ten games are against the Dodgers and the Padres, and now you get to just start playing like regular teams. Um, and Zach Allen hasn't even pitched well yet. He pitches tonight against Milwaukee. Like this is. I'll stand by my my prediction for the website at the start of the year was 81 wins and in the mix for the the second wild card spot and hopefully I undershot. Yeah, uh, I'm excited for the team. I'm excited for the fans um, and just the city, uh, the, the radio station, everybody. I mean, I I love. I think we all love for the local home teams to win to be successful because of what it means especially here in the long hot summer months in that transition between baseball and football so I'm excited for them I'm looking forward to hopefully getting to you know a couple of games but probably not until after mid-June well you got something going on a couple of a couple of things okay well and it's always nice when a local team beats LA yeah well you know and there's that for the Dodgers because they just (laughs) lost three in a row to the Diamondbacks and then the Baltimore Ravens got themselves another weapon. According to multiple reports, Odell Beckham is getting a one-year deal worth up to $18 million with Baltimore. So what do you guys think this deal could do for DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, you know, I'm torn on this because it, you would think that another spot where Hopkins might go just dried up. But I almost wonder if another domino falling and getting out of the way means teams like the Chiefs or the Bills or whoever else that was kind of like, oh, we'll just go get Odell if we can't get you. Well, they don't have that option anymore. So if it does anything, maybe it inches us closer to a Hopkins trade. Maybe. Yeah. And here's something, and maybe you guys have talked about this. What, what if we talk about those six teams calling? Yeah. What, what are the odds of packaging 
the draft Bold. pick. And, oh, this is interesting. And Odell? Interesting. Or not Odell. And Hop? Yeah. Hmm? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it might be a better way to actually get something for Hopkins, because last week it sounded like you could get like uh, like a bottle of soda if you traded DeAndre <laughs> Hopkins. Uh, all right, that was Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you, Aaron, as always. When we come back, the first round matchup against the Clippers. Is that the best option that the Suns had? It kind of feels like it. It's Wolf and Luke. Kevin Ray in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. I feel like if you play Alice in Chains enough, Wolf's just going to come back mid-show. <laughs> exactly. He just comes walking yeah. in. What are you doing to my chair, Kay? <laughs> uh, you went into the weekend. The Suns basically had four potential opponents. You had Oklahoma City and Dallas fighting for play-in spots. Um, and then over the weekend, Dallas just quit on their season and their fans. Uh, Minnesota, started. their players started punching each other and the walls. And it turns out that the Suns are playing the Clippers in the first round. So there's a lot going on this weekend around the Western Conference. Yeah, which, by the way, we, we haven't even, for anybody that hasn't seen or heard, um, Rudy Gobert has been suspended yep. for their play-in game against the Lakers tomorrow. Yeah. So um, that's uh, he, will be, he will be available for their second game, which we assume will be the loser of 9-10. Yeah, because they're probably going to lose because Rudy Gobert punched his own teammate and Jaden McDaniels punched a wall walking yeah. off the court. And they'd already lost Nas Reed, so they really don't have a they, they will play small ball all game against On the, the bright Lakers. side though, they can sell their team audiobook of how to self destruct going into the playoffs because they've now written it. I mean they how how else could you you can't follow a better path and all I can think and this isn't fair to Jaden McDaniels, so I have nothing against a pretty good player. But all I could think was that interview with Anthony Edwards where he's like, well, yeah, the Suns have Kevin Durant, but we have Jaden McDaniels. And all I could think was, now you don't even have Jaden McDaniels. You do. He's just in street clothes. He just can't play. <laughs> he, he, can, just... he can talk to you. <laughs> right, right. But he, but he can't play. <laughs> but as far as the Suns, they went into the weekends and you basically had one of four opponents. They got the Clippers, um, you know, at least late last week, Kay, it was, you were either going to play the Clippers, the Lakers, the Warriors, or maybe even the Pelicans at one point. That fell apart for the Pelicans. But, uh, to me, this is probably the best matchup that you could ask for if you're the Suns. Partially, yes, because Paul George isn't playing. I don't really want to deal with Kawhi, and you're going to have to. But I think this is an easier matchup than playing Golden State and playing the Lakers while they're actually relatively healthy, which has been their biggest issue over the years. So now you get the Clippers, but they do have Kawhi, and they do have Tyron Lue. And you know, if you let them hang around and Paul George comes back, you could see how things could get a little dicey. Yeah, and look, the Clippers aren't going to be, you know, completely open with the status of Paul George. But I will say this. He was on crutches wearing an e-brace their game on Saturday. The end of this week will be the three-week time period for reevaluation. So because it's a leg injury, it's not an upper body injury, he has not been able to do any kind of conditioning. So let's say, just throwing it out there, next Tuesday or Wednesday, they say he's been cleared for, for activities. 
you're talking about at least three to five days to try to get him ramped up. So I guess theoretically, he he might be able to come back if there was a, a game five or six. We don't know what the rest of the, the schedule is yeah, first. Yeah, they just have Sunday. So Game far. one is Sunday. I believe, and again, just reinforce this again, I believe game two will be Tuesday. And I would say based on just past first round playoff schedules, it would probably go game three Friday. And I know it's just Phoenix to L.A., but they would leave two windows, uh, two open dates, one day for the travel back, a practice day. So then a game three on Friday and then probably game four on Sunday. Sunday, okay. <clears throat> so game five would then be back in Phoenix probably then on the following Tuesday. So if there's any shot of Paul George being available at all, I think at the earliest you'd be looking at probably game six. And even that, I think, yeah. would be a stretch. And see, if if it's going to be that, if Paul George is going to miss a good chunk of, if not all of this uh, series, then like to me, I look at the the six teams, let's say, that made the postseason below the Suns in the Western Conference, right? So you get the Clippers, Warriors, Lakers, T-Wolves, Pelicans, Thunder. Uh, I mean, you'd rather play the Thunder, I guess. Um, you'd rather play the T-Wolves because they're self-destructing right before our very eyes. But other than that, man, I would much rather play this version of the Clippers than Golden State, the Lakers right now, or the Pelicans. And I know the Pelicans have been up and down, and, and who knows with them, but I just remember what they did last year to the Suns. Not that they beat the Suns, but they, they know the Suns, and it was just such a brutal series, and I, I, I'm always going to wonder how much that took out of the Suns going into the next round. You and I were talking earlier about, you know, if, you, if you're if you going to play the Warriors at some point, you might actually want to get them in round one. Yeah. And and I think there's a school of thought out there about the Suns, too. This is Michael Wilbon on, uh, on ESPN yesterday. Maybe you should get the Suns early, because they haven't had that many games under the belt. What's Kevin Durant played? Nine games? Ten games? Nine, I guess, with with the Suns. Right. So maybe you want to catch the Suns early before they have a chance to get a series of four, five, or six games under their belts and then really sort of hit stride. This is why this potentially works out really well because if you if you look at the teams in the Western Conference, to me, the two teams that are probably going to get better the deeper they go are the Suns and the Warriors. You say that's fair? Uh, the other team, I mean, and some other teams might do it, but I'm just saying right now on April 10th, that's what I would expect. Whereas a team like the Lakers, if anything, they they tend to to get worse because Anthony Davis or LeBron will miss a game or whatever. Um, but but specifically the Suns and the Warriors, I feel like should get better the deeper they go. So this might end up working out perfectly for the Suns that they get a relatively easier first round matchup to get their feet under them. Yeah, and the one thing that I would say in kind of response to that. I I guess in theory it does make sense because no, it, it's not been a large sample size, but um, there was nothing bumpy about those eight games together. That's true. I mean, they played three games together. You're like, okay, yeah, this is going to yeah, work. <laughs> we're, we're good. <laughs> I don't need to change anything. I've seen as, enough. As my guy EJ would, you know, would reply last year, hashtag we good. Uh, they, there's nothing to suggest any kind of issues. Conversely, what the Mavericks dealt with, I mean, early on, you could see the Mavericks having issues. And it is a variety of issues both on both ends of the floor. Yeah. Because of two ball-dominant guards. You're talking about three players, and I know everybody talks about that before, but three players specifically, their basketball IQ is on <laughs> levels none of us 
have even approached. And because of that, and additionally, they play the game the right way. They make the right play. They make the extra pass. They make the adjustment offensively. Kevin Durant understands and acknowledges, oh, I'm getting double teamed multiple times. Wow, we're just going to rotate. Okay, I'm going to swing the ball here. Skip past there. Boom. Open shot in the corner. It's just oh, instinct. Oh, Chris Paul's been standing over there for seven seconds and nobody's rotated. Boom. I'm going to make that play. That's why I believe, yes, they, they will only get better in time, but I there's nothing that I have seen that suggests any kind of early hiccups. For the Clippers, I love the fact that yesterday they had to play all the guys who were healthy. And look... Do not sleep on Russell Westbrook because he's a league in, former league MVP. This guy wreaks havoc every time he's on the floor. I know he can at times be a turnover machine, but he's still a guy that puts force, brings force into your defense. And they're just he, a physical team. He gets downhill. He is physical. Uh, and Norman Powell, I love the fact that Norman Powell played as well as he did yesterday. People have kind of slept on and forgot about Norman Powell. He's been hurt. Been hurt. The last six games, he's averaged better than 20 points per game. He played fantastic yesterday, which excited me because I feel like he's gotten the full attention of that coaching staff and that son's roster. Yeah. Starters or bench. You go back to that championship run with the Raptors. Norman Powell is a hell of a player. He's a great addition to their team. So, again, it's not going to be easy. Buckle up. But it is a very good first-round matchup for the Suns. Yeah, you know, but you're right, though. When you throw Norman Powell in there, too, that is a guy that, that can get hot in a game, and all of a sudden you're like, wait, the series is tied. And Eric Gordon. What happened? You know, yeah. so Eric Gordon is is what we hopefully have in Terrence Ross. Oh, Eric Gordon can turn into a flamethrower. He can drop six, seven, eight threes on you in a hurry. He's been rumored to get traded to the Suns for so long <laughs> now that I just feel like he's on the Suns, or at least right. isn't allowed to score against the Suns. Uh, the stat, and I was throwing this out there when we had Ann Myers Drysdale on earlier, but the stat from ESPN was um, from NBA and ESPN over the weekend was that Kevin Durant has already played as many games, regular season games, with Chris Paul and Devin Booker as he did with Kyrie and James Harden their first full year together in, in Brooklyn 2021. And Obviously, he's undefeated with the Suns, so he's already won more games with with Chris Paul and Devin Booker than he did that entire first year uh, with Brooklyn with those guys. So that coupled with the fact that Monty was comfortable enough to rest these guys uh, both the last two games would lead me to believe sort of what you were saying, that they feel comfortable with the chemistry already. And it's hard to argue with that when you're undefeated. So we'll yeah. get back into this. But, I mean, they are 8-0 with, with Kevin Durant in the and, and just one final number before we go to break. In his last 29 games, Kevin Durant, dating back to his time with Brooklyn, 27-2. and two. Un- Unbelievable. 27-2. and two. That might even be the more <laughs> telling stat, honestly. Uh, text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Uh, I like this response from the 602. The biggest weakness of the Suns in the playoffs will be coaching, outcoached in the playoffs every year because opponents made adjustments that Monty couldn't match. Hopefully, and his crew have learned and will do better. I'm not sure I totally agree with that, but uh, you could make that case certainly in the Dallas series last year. Uh, we'll get into that later on when we come back. Football. What does OBJ's deal with the Ravens do for the future of DeAndre Hopkins here in the desert? It's Wolf and Luke. Uh, Kevin Ray in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. 
Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke, except it's not Wolf and Luke. It's K-Ray and Luke because Wolf is off doing wolf things. I don't know. Wolf thing. Yeah. Yeah. What do, what do wolf things on a Monday look like, I wonder? Oh, let's see. Uh, you would know this as well as me. Probably uh, sticking your face in the fan. Uh, right. Let's see. Um, After dri- driving somebody into the ground, metaphorically speaking. Is it, uh, and I wonder on days off... What the coffee minimum is, if it changes on That's days off, we'd have to ask the warrior queen about that one. Yeah. See if she could divulge some wolf secrets on on non-work days. Just get her if, on the show. If the coffee consumption is the same or if it, you know, if it drops down like five or six cups. <laughs> <laughs> there was a moment during, uh, and I think it was actually the day after... The Suns made the trade for KD, and we're out there at Media Row for the yeah. Super Bowl. And Wolf was drinking coffee, and then um, we went and got like we got you know coffee, whatever. He got one of the ones with the five shots of espresso, and then somebody brought him one of five shots of espresso too. And I don't know if he drank it all or not. That's a lot of caffeine if he did. For a guy that doesn't even need caffeine, if you've ever met Wolf, and you used to host a show with him, so you know. You know full well. Uh, all right, over to football. And another receiver is, um, is, is off the market. Odell Beckham Jr. going to the Baltimore Ravens. So <laughs> there's a lot of different ways to get into this. Let's... Um, Let's let's just start with Aaron Goldhammer yesterday talking about the Ravens and and they making the decision to sign OBJ. The Ravens have been horrible at trying to find wide receivers. They have a very good tight end, Mark Andrews, but they've been terrible at trying to draft or find wide receivers to put around Lamar. So the desperate move is to sign a guy who used to be really good, but really, I mean, his stretch with the Rams was good and he was good in the Super Bowl before he tore his ACL, but he really hasn't put a good season together since 2017. I mean, think how much has changed in the world. That was, by the time you get to this fall, that was six seasons ago in the NFL. The other thing I guess maybe Baltimore's thinking is, is Lamar going to be like, oh, now I'm going to come back and sign the tag for the $32.5 million so that I can throw the ball to a guy who used to be really good <laughs> like, and is coming off of a torn knee? Like, that's the way that I'm going to approach? So I, it smells of death. Desperation, especially when I look at how much money they gave him. He checked a lot of the boxes that, and look, I, I love OBJ. I think he is still a phenomenal athlete. But that being said, and, and this is what like stunned me about if, if I am listing my top five potential landing spots for OBJ. Yeah. Baltimore would not have been in the top 10 yeah, for I, a variety of reasons, not the least of which you don't have your quarterback signed yet. And everybody kept talking about with OBJ because of the twice injured knees that he was going to a dome stadium. He was going to go to a warm weather climate because of age and injury. Yep. Baltimore and that division plays more outdoor games in more inclement weather than virtually every other division and team. Doesn't make a lot of sense. 
is what you're saying. And you're going to potentially give him $18 million. I feel like, it, you know, the old cart before the horse. So is, is this what you think is going to make Lamar relent and say, okay, I'll take the $200 million guaranteed. That's got to be versus, it, right? I mean, I think, it, I, I think thing it's I misguided, can, but that's got to be it. Right. And, and, and hoping that OBJ can use his, you know, connection and playmaking abilities to convince Lamar, hey, man, come throw me touchdown passes. Let's make plays together. Let's go to the Super Bowl together. I, I'm sorry, but if you get... If you get 10, 11 games out of OBJ this season, I think that will be a really good year. It could be wrong, but in a cold weather city. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, look, I mean, he, he was, and he was bigger for the Rams than I expected he would be when they got him midseason year Agreed. to the Super Bowl. But but that was big in a few big games. If you're talking about sustainability over the course, emphasis of the season, on a few, a few, yeah. And he got hurt in, in in the last one too. And so look, he's a great talent, and I get that. But this is this is where I get it. like my head's going to explode if they don't trade DeAndre Hopkins for something of value. Odell's getting 15 million guaranteed, up to 18 million. Okay. Now I understand Hopkins makes more than that, but but every time there's any conversation about a Hopkins trade, it's like, well, you can't expect the Cardinals to get anything. You know, that's DeAndre Hopkins. He's already thirty years old. So is Odell. They're the exact same age. I think Hopkins might be six months older than than uh, than Odell Beckham Jr. They're both thirty. Hopkins turns thirty one in two months. Odell turns thirty one in seven months. Okay, so it's it's not. This is not like well. Obviously, they'd rather have Odell. He's twenty four, and Hopkins is forty eight. Like, well, <laughs> not, not the case. They're the same age. And here's their numbers. Okay, this is just since twenty nineteen. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. eight hundred fifty six yards. DeAndre Hopkins two thousand six hundred ninety six yards. Don't tell me Hopkins is done, but Odell's great because that's not that's not reality. And that's even with Hopkins missing some games, obviously, with the suspension and injury. He had injury the year before that, too. It's almost like everybody else is looking at those same numbers, but with different sets of glasses. Yeah. And like the, the, the D-Hop numbers are, you know, being transfixed, transposed differently for them. Like you say, they're saying, oh, he's 39 and he has 612 yards of receipt. I think that's what it is. People think Hopkins is 2,696 years old and he has 30 yards over the last three. It, it is amazing to me how many people, and I'm sure some of this is just posturing by other teams, have decided, well, Hopkins, he's almost done, right? I mean, you listen to people talk about him and he's clearly in his late 30s and he hasn't played in three years and he's coming off two major knee injuries. No, he's 30 and he still was productive last year with, I don't know, eight different quarterbacks throwing him the ball. And then Odell actually hasn't played much in the last three years and is also the same age. I, yeah, I, 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 I think, and this is nothing more than just a hypothesis on my part. I think when it comes to D hop, what you are seeing is a league that is looking at the Cardinals organization and with what they are going through right now, you get an injured quarterback. Um, so most people feel like, in some respects, the Cardinals are desperate to get rid of D-Hop. They don't have any leverage. That's be, true. Right. Yeah. And and so they, the, the league is playing a waiting game. Like, how desperate are the Cardinals to get this done now? Or is Monty Austin Fort willing to be patient and, like, 
we see happen seemingly every year, training camp, preseason, somebody gets hurt. And then the other guy becomes the more desperate of the two. And then you get your asking price. That, that that's That's what I would say Cardinals fans need to wrap their head around and be prepared for is that Maybe not the length of a Jay Crowder run. No, but, yeah, I'm not doing that again. But, but <laughs> I think it could be a few months before a a a move or clarity is revealed on uh, DeHop. By the way, probably the right move if that's really how this is playing out. If you're Money Austin for it, and this is why I would be. Probably not a good GM in some ways, but if teams were telling me like Buffalo, you know, a couple weeks ago, oh, we, yeah, we don't want DeAndre Hopkins unless something changes significantly. If the, if the game really is, yeah, you're desperate, you'll just give him to us for a fourth round pick. I'd rather just sit here and uh, Michael can pay the money. I'm sure he doesn't love that necessarily, but I'll just I got nothing to lose. I got nothing to gain either. I'll right. just sit here and you can you can throw away a year of your Super Bowl window because you're not willing to give up a second round pick for a future Hall of Famer. Uh, all right. To baseball, when we come back, the D-backs just took three out of four against the Dodgers. They're now tied atop the NL West. So what is your excitement level for this team? Ten games in. It's Wolf and Luke. K-Ray in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back to baseball. In case you missed it somehow, Diamondbacks just took three of four from the Dodgers. You know, okay, Kevin Ray is uh, in for Wolf today. It's Wolf and Luke. We, Wolf and I talked so much, even before the season started, of can you get through those first ten games? Can you be at least five and five? And they end up going six and four. They're playing Dodgers pretty well. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that you necessarily need to not play the Dodgers now for the next four months. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sick of watching the Dodgers. Eight of the first 10 games have been against the Dodgers. But the D-backs playing them pretty well. 29 runs in the last three games of that series for the uh, for the D-backs. And you know, Zach Gallen had two rough starts in those first 10, and they still come out of it 6-4 and four with all 10 of those games against the Dodgers and the Padres. This is a... a under the radar, pretty good start. If you're Tori Lovello in this organization, you could not have asked or scripted a better start for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is just the volume of losses that you and your fan base have endured the last few years. And so many of those losses coming at the hands of those two teams you just beat. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, you just felt like the fans and, and really everybody, they would look at the schedule and go, oh, okay. I think you said it earlier. Like you just felt like every two weeks you were having a six to an eight game series between the Padres and the Dodgers and People were just automatically L, L, L. Yeah. Okay, so, well, there goes our chance of getting back to 500. So now we're going to be six games below 500. Okay, we'll try this again. And it was just so to, to, and to not only do it, but as you point out, like come out and score the volume of runs that you did. And Zach Allen, you haven't gotten your best from him yet. It, it definitely creates an exciting level of energy that I'm not sure the fans, even as optimistic as they were about the season, could have envisioned having uh, at this 
early stage in a season. Well, because it would have been a real downer if after all, okay, so you have you have last season and you, you missed the playoffs by quite a bit, but but there was some reason for excitement, like some legitimate reason, not just the standard, oh, we'll get him next year. Like, okay, no, you actually have some more than one prospect. It's not just Corbin Carroll. You've got some guys that are they're maybe breaking in. So you, you, you build up some of that excitement, and then you sign Carroll in the offseason, and spring training builds more of that excitement. Even though your first 10 games were against the Dodgers and Padres, if you went out there and started 2-8 and eight or 1-9, and nine, you know people are only going to look at who you played for so long without having their excitement killed. And it's not like you couldn't get it back. There's 152 more games, but it's an uphill climb at that point. How We would have heard, uh, see, same old D-backs, all this talk, they're 2-8. and eight. Oh, they're 1-9. and nine. Instead, you're 6-4. and four. Uh, You know, Madison Bumgarner didn't look great in the second outing, but it was better. And both of his starts have been against the Dodgers. So now it's like at least worth seeing maybe what he does in his next outing. Like you just said, Zach Gallen hasn't had a good game yet, and he typically does have those. I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. They didn't just make the playoffs by winning those three games, but man, beating the Dodgers three times in in a series, it's been a while since the D-backs have done that. And now they get three against Milwaukee and three against Miami uh, this upcoming week. And, and here's a chance now to maybe show people that you are, you know, for real in the sense that you're at least a dangerous team. So dangerous when they get on the base paths. And, you know, Corbin Carroll has has been that guy so far and Josh Rojas is hitting over 400 right now. Like it, it's it's balanced, which I like because that tends to, you know, indicate you can maybe do this for a while. It's not just one guy going off every day. Yeah, because who among us would would say honestly that on April 10th? And granted, it's it's only 10 games in, but on April 10th, that you could look at the standings and go, oh yeah, the Diamondbacks will definitely be in first place in no. the division. No, nobody. No. Nobody because of that schedule Not and because of the way those teams had just bludgeoned you the last few years. My excitement level for this season was was already good, but it jumped a level. And it was actually Luis Gonzalez that pointed this out to me of, remember, they're not playing those teams 19 times a year. They're playing them. 13 times. And with the D-backs, specifically with the Dodgers, you just got eight of those out of the way already. So now, if you're a good enough team, it for so long that the, the narrative around the D-backs has been, well, what can they really do in this division? It doesn't really matter what division they're in now going forward for the rest of the season because you don't play the Dodgers barely anymore. You still play the Padres 11 more times, but you're not going to have an easy division, right? But for the most part now, other teams can deal with them. If you can go out and beat other teams around the National League and the more balanced schedule in the American League, you're going to find a way to, to do some damage this year if you can beat other teams. Whereas the last few years, it was just like, well, if you can't beat the Dodgers, what's the point of even trying? If you're the D-backs or the Rockies, what's the point? Yeah, I would love to to know, um, like, when when you guys talk to, to, to Torrier, I'm not sure if he's on with you guys or if he's on with Bernsey and Gambo, but I would love to know, like, how baseball managers, and maybe Tory specifically, because every coach may be different, but I know like with Monty Williams and the Suns, like they look at kind of 10-game blocks and to assess like, okay, where are we at? Here's our 10-game window. There's enough analytical information that tells us this is what we're trending towards, positively, negatively. What do we need to do to adjust? I would love to know from Tory and a Major League skipper, like, what is their kind of window of analysis in a 162-game season? I'm guessing it's probably 25 games, maybe. I, I could be more, could be a little less. Yeah, um, I wonder about that, though, just because, especially with their schedule right now, 
those first 10 games looked so separate from everything else that I have to think internally they probably separated those first 10. Well, and and because baseball scheduling is so different from the NBA because you're playing a team multiple times consecutive days, if if that kind of window of analysis changes, I I would love to hear his kind of theory and response on that. Uh, Here is Tori Lovello not answering that question, but uh, just talking about... Oh, I thought you were like, God, I was like, man, you wave that magic wand, Luke. We actually had Tori record (laughs) That's why you're wearing the suit today. (laughs) Your answer for you. Uh, Here's Tori talking about trying to make a statement early. On these Sunday day games, um, last game of the series, you really try and come out and make statements early uh, that that ensures that that you're ready to play a baseball game. I thought we did a really good job of that. Um, despite falling falling behind one nothing, we came out. We played engaged baseball. We had so many quality at bats. We had hustle plays, stolen bases, good defensive plays. Um, uh, Nelly gives us a quality start. I just thought it was. It was, a, it was a really good win for us today. Now, so this was their scoring in the first five innings yesterday, Kay. Two in the first, one in the second, three in the third, three in the fourth, two in the fifth. You're going to win a lot of games. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'd like to order about, I don't know, 96 more yeah. of those okay. kind of <laughs> affairs. We'll give you a discount if you're going to order 96. That's perfect. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's how you do it. That's how you do it no matter who you are playing. And, and you know, they weren't facing Clayton Kershaw in his prime yesterday. I get that. They were facing Michael Grove, but it's still the Dodgers. And, look, the Dodgers still scored six runs, so you, you need the runs against the Dodgers. Nobody's sitting here today saying, well, you know, the D-backs took three of four from L.A., so they're better than the Dodgers this year, and they're going to have more wins, and they're going to go further in the playoffs. But I think it's fair to say, okay, this team could be legit in the sense that are they better than enough teams in the National League where they're going to be there fighting for a wild card spot? You know, I mean, I don't want to sell them short. I mean, we don't know what their ceiling is. Maybe they could contend for the division. But right now, to me, the biggest thing is, are you relevant deep into the season? And I don't just mean relevant because people like baseball. I mean, like, are you a contender deep into the season? And I believed this team could be before the season started. And obviously didn't see anything in the first 10, ten games to think that that changes, right? I mean, they, they look like a team that's going to make life difficult for opponents, which is really think, all you can do. Yeah, and I think that's the best way to characterize it. We were talking about that youthful exuberance mm-hmm. and sometimes the, you know, the, the ignorance. You, you don't know what you don't know. Like for some of these guys, you know, going through a full 162-game season, this year will be the first, injuries aside. Um, but there's also something to be said for that young of a squad to have that confidence reinforced yeah. against two really quality teams. Now you really don't know what you don't know because you're like, look, we just beat, the we just beat these guys. <laughs> See, we were right. We could beat anybody. Uh, all right, we come back. Back over to basketball. What's going to be the key for the Suns in that first-round matchup against the Clippers? We're going to ask our own Suns guru for Arizona sports. Kellen Olson joins us next. It's Wolf and Luke. Kevin Ray is in for Wolf on Arizona sports, the local sports leader.